So today's episode is really an interesting one. We have our very first guest on the show, which I am excited about because that's what we're going to have in moving forward. We're going to have guests on the show as well as these short little snippets with me. And so we've done it two different ways. In today's episode, you're going to get a short little snippet episode, one that's really snackable and easy with bite-sized bits from my interview with Caleb. And if you like today's episode, go out and check next week's episode where we're going to drop the full interview where you can listen to everything as well. So let's get into that short snackable. You're listening to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. And I'm excited because today is the first time that we've had a guest on this show, you know, ever since Peter has left us as being a co-host and it's now me as your solo host, we just, I've decided to bring on guests. And today we are joined by Caleb Lassar and he is an executive coach for helping those in business and I guess in life work on their emotional intelligence. And the reason I brought Caleb on before I kind of get him to, to say, hey, is this post he put out really grabbed my attention. And I think especially if you are currently in your business, especially in the earlier stages of business and that solopreneur, self-employed to manager level that we talk about in previous episodes, this is the stage where you're more in it. You're figuring out your business model and you're trying to market and grow. And here's exactly what he said. I won't give you the whole post, but the part that really grabbed my attention. The energy of your marketing dictates the quality of your client. So, Caleb, welcome to the show. Talk to me about this. Oh, that's a hell of an intro. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we met at a Taki Moore event. Shout out to Taki. And this original thought is part of a larger thought when it comes to, I think, specifically in the industry that I work in. So, I work with, like you said, a lot of business owners, coaches, entrepreneurs, people that probably have a personal brand as well. And the original train of thought was there's a difference between followers and leaders. And when we work with people specifically as a coach or as a business owner, we can end up creating customers that are followers of our business versus customers that are leaders. And the critical difference is a customer that is a follower of the business they're going to be there. They're going to enjoy the community. They're going to, you know, pump up your ego. They're going to enjoy the process, but they might not necessarily put the pedal to the metal and do the work. Mm. And you see, I've seen a lot of businesses that are built on the back of followers. And this is part of the larger conversation of the energy of your marketing, because if we think about marketing that is, short-sighted might not be the correct language, but it's it's the marketing that is promising the world. You see that like it's getting short-term focus, you know, it's it's not it's like make money quick, make money tomorrow, make yes. money in the next 30 days, as opposed to, hey, we're going to show you how to build success and it's going to take 10 years. Yeah, and the time frame is getting smaller and smaller. It's like seven figures in 30 days now. It's like what what is happening? And this thing that I've noticed the people that are in that level of thinking when they buy, it's a followers type mentality. It's where the guarantee 
or the high pressure sales tactic. It's doing the thinking for the person. Mm. So they, they never get to empower themselves through doing what it actually takes, which is a whole bunch of things that are really uncomfortable. And instead of doing that, they rely on these guarantees. And it, it's also part of this other train of thought, which is if we have to convince people to join us, they make terrible customers. So the the more that we have to convince a customer with all these outlandish, short-sighted promises, I find the more likely they are to stay in lower level thinking. A little bit Carl Jung about it. It's the lower frequency of spiral dynamics. So for those of you not familiar with the work, spiral dynamics has these eight levels of thinking and consciousness that correlate to different levels of value systems and thinking and society. And it's a very level two, which is a, it's kind of, I call it the archetype of the teenager. So the archetype of the teenagers, if you have a teenager or you've been a teenager, you know, the number one thing that's most important to you is to fit in, is to be a part of the pack. And they're very, very susceptible to groupthink and short-term promises. And so if we're marketing to those customers, their value set is one of connection and fitting in. It's not the value set of results and doing the work. And I think that's the long way about <laughs> saying, you know, that's what the followers are. And that's what I meant by the energy. That's one part of it. Whereas if the thinking of your marketing is aimed at that specific level, those are the types of customers that you're going to attract who ultimately might feel the, oh, yay, I've got people in my you know, in my environment, but they're not the kinds of people that become the leader. So a lot of the people that I've worked with, they've gone on to be multiple seven-figure coaches. And so what I think I'm hearing you say is there's a segment of market that you kind of said are like those level two teenager group thinks that they'll be the followers of your business. They'll love what you do. They'll potentially be those raving fans, loving you, big part of the community, build you up, make you feel good. But if you're then wanting to come and go, I'm going to do a case study. You might struggle because they haven't actually got the result that your product or service or coaching program or consulting or whatever was designed to give them. So they're satisfied customers. Am I right? Mm -hmm. They're satisfied customers. They've enjoyed the process because maybe they're growing, but they haven't necessarily actually got the result that the program or product was designed to provide. There's not necessarily these are bad customers to have, but there's a different type of energy in your marketing. And so if you're using like guarantees and at the moment, uh, listeners, if you've not read the book by Alex Hormozzi, $100 million offers, I would say this book is probably the number one thing that has increased the guarantees that you may be seeing people offering right now, because his big thing is like, you know, you put a big guarantee on it. And Caleb, it's interesting. You're not the only person who recently has said similar things about these low ticket offers, adding a guarantee, the quality of client you will attract. If the guarantee is what actually gets them across the line, they're going to be that lower quality client as opposed to those who don't need the guarantee who are like, I don't need a guarantee. I know I'm going to have to do the freaking work. Mm. You know, like the only guarantee I know need to know is that you're going to show up and support me when I need it. But I know I'm the one that's going to do the work. You can't guarantee me the result. So if I've summarized that right, which it sounds like I have, let's get into now well, what is the leader? If, if that's what a follower type is, what is what does a leader clientele look like? So we're looking at and I think it's really important that you've highlighted that these are not bad customers. I don't know any business that only has leaders. I think it's more an exercise to be aware of in our marketing is how far are we leaning? Because what the other thing that I've noticed about followers is they're not the greatest referrers of business. 
all of the leaders that have gone through my business, these are the ones that they're able to take what you do and then self-start. So there's a high degree of initiative in these individuals and they're going to apply the learning. They have curious minds. So if, and, and they love to ask high quality questions. So you, if we look at the difference between a low quality question and a high quality question, low quality question would be, where do I log into the course? Whereas the leader is going to be, okay, so I logged in, I got to the first class, I started doing the homework, but I had this question about this thing. And so these leaders are going to have high degrees of initiative. They're going to be asking high quality questions. They're going to actually get a result. They're comfortable with higher degrees of uncertainty. Mm. And this is a big thing where we see with the followers, of the, like, where, where do I get my certainty from? Where do I get my They're looking for that certainty. It reminds me of something I, I can't remember who first said it, but someone said, it may have been Taki or maybe he heard it from someone else. I don't know. But it's like most people are walking around with like power cables looking for someone to plug into. And it sounds like those types of people, they're, they're the follower mentality people. They're looking around, they're looking for someone to give them the certainty, give them the direction, lead them versus these other leaders who are, they're more comfortable in that uncertainty. And I'm going to, you know, make a, a leap of assumption here, but I'd say most people or a high majority of you listening right now, if you're listening to this, that you probably fall closer to that leader mentality, unless you're still early on in your phase and you're just kind of seeking inspiration. And maybe at the moment you are a bit of a follower, but if you've been in business for any significant period of time, there's a high chance you've been, you lean more into that leader scope. If we come back to, you talked about the teenager and the level two in the spiral dynamics is the follower. Where in the spiral dynamics would you say the leader is? And how would you give that analogy from a teenager? Ah, such a, another great question. So I've measured it by revenue and revenue doesn't, it's not the be all and end all, but it's kind of the one non-bias metric that we have to kind of gauge stuff. And yes, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. But what I've noticed is this, there seems to be three categories, six figures, multi-six figures, and then beyond. So when you're getting to that million dollar business, and it's quite interesting when I joined Taki's program, these were the categories that he had as well. And if we look at stages one, two of spiral dynamics, we're looking at people that have lower value systems that not unnecessarily by lower, sorry, I mean lower on the hierarchy of language. And what that means is they're not close to the value systems that are required to drive a result. So value systems would be things like it's important to have trust, fairness, care, connection, kindness, compassion, empathy. These are the value systems that are probably more concerned with the one and two level. Whereas as soon as you move to level three, you have values of like action, grit, determination, power, achievement, etc. And so where we see the followers on a spiral level, they would be levels one and two. And when I look at spiral, I actually, I break it into different categories. So I believe we can have different spiral levels for different areas of our life. So you might have, and this is really, really common, and this is most of my work, is I have clients at a spiral level five that have been very successful so five is like the level of the meme of capitalism and it's where the person has achieved results and it's predictable 
replicable. They can do it over and over again. But what happens is their emotional level, so their internal level, is around one or two. And so this distance that they have between levels one and two and five is actually what's causing pain. And they try to look external to do different things and to buy different things to try and solve that internal problem. And that's a whole, there's a whole thing we can talk about. A whole other potential episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we look at followers, they're probably most likely one and two because of the value systems that are represented at one and two. And that would be, I would say that person is probably not quite making money yet mm. in their business. So they're higher in enthusiasm, <laughs> but low in result. Then as soon as we move to three, three would be the level I'm going to take action now. So this is the person that got bored of fitting in at level two and the sheep and the teenage mentality, and they decided to take action. They got fed up and take action. And this is the first year of the entrepreneur. And you often see that, you know, they'll do 20, 30,000, 40,000. Most of the people that I've spoken to in their first year, that's somewhere where they end up. And that is pure level three. That's pure hustle. And then what happens is if they're smart is they'll look to a level four. So they'll look to a system and they will hire someone who has a system to get them to the next goal. And this is where the system starts creating some predictability and they move from that 20, 30, 40,000 and they finally crack six figures, maybe start touching on that multi six figures. And then from there, they can then find another system and then utilize the system and expand and grow to seven. And so where we start seeing the leaders is where they move into the level three, where they start taking action, they start backing themselves. They're very comfortable with getting it wrong because they appreciate that action creates clarity. Another thing action creates is also momentum. Yes. And the followers are obsessed about, I want clarity and the leaders uh i want momentum and that's i think the biggest difference in and on spiral where you see the two levels starting to form i really like this model and i guess if we bring it back to the original the start of this conversation about how we show up in our marketing if you were giving advice to someone caleb how would they market differently we talked about guarantees very much attracts those people looking for certainty so if we want leaders, what would you do differently? What would you tell someone to do differently in their marketing to attract those people? I want to be really careful to stay in my lane here. <laughs> so totally. Marketing is a whole, I haven't figured that one out. But what I can speak to, and I'm, I have a lot of experience in, is actually in selling. And so let's just say you've managed to get people on the phone call. <laughs> and we've done it in a way that doesn't require lots of guarantees and you know this phone call was valued at ten thousand dollars and we only had three of them left on tuesday <laughs> and, and you've got them on the phone call i think learning to sell in a way that doesn't heavily rely on convincing people is going to be the difference that gets you a client that is here because they believe you're the magic thing and somebody who makes it a really high quality decision for themselves and the structure of a high-quality decision, I'm borrowing this from another mentor of mine, his name's Darcy Smythe, runs a company called Y Bravo. And when he first taught me to sell, he told me that sales was leadership. And I think coming full circle, that's actually really interesting because most people, when they sell, there's a couple of presuppositions going on. The first one is that it's a zero-sum game. So what that means is 
the salesperson, especially if you're not at what we call a natural salesperson. So if you're like most business owners, I know sales gives you this awful feeling inside. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just hope someone else could do the selling for me. Like I'll do the delivery. Someone else do the selling for me, which is normal until you actually understand what makes a sale. And so he said to me, sales is leadership. And when we expanded on that, what leadership is, is holding someone to a higher standard by getting them clear on something that we call cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance in a sales context is where is somebody right now and where did they expect that they would be by now? Now, that's the, that's the critical language is where are they now and where did they expect that they would be by now? And if you can find that difference in somebody and your product is a fit for that gap that they have, you don't need to sell. Mm. There's no convincing required because the pain of this cognitive dissonance of, oh, let's use, let's use a health and fitness example. So this person wants to lose weight. The reality is they're overweight and they're in pain because it's causing the low self-esteem, they're lethargic. The reality is at the moment they're sick, they're at risk of, you know, they can't spend time with their children because they get puffed and they're tired all the time. That's their current reality. What's their expected reality? What did they think that they want by now? Well, they could be like, shoot, I'm turning 40. I didn't think that I would be this unhealthy. I didn't think, you know, I thought by now that I would have lost 10 kilos. I thought that the diet would have worked. I thought that the program that I was on would have made a difference, et cetera. So when you as a salesperson or when you're selling can get clear on those things without needing to convince or make it, your program is kind of irrelevant at this point without all of that stuff. And you can figure out what is that thing mm. that is causing them pain. And there's a difference between what is causing them pain and trying to create pain because pain-based selling is dumb because that's just another way of convincing somebody to take action on something. Is, you know, are they, are you in enough pain yet to take? It's just so weird to me. Let me stick some more daggers in <laughs> yeah. you and, and show you the pain you've got. Yeah. I know the type of selling you're talking about. Cause I, I think a part of the grander conversation is I think our industry is shifting, but and industry by industry, I mean, I think people are getting sick of that type of selling. And I think for the meantime, like it's working, you see people doing it and that kind of thing, but uh, there's a wave. It's like post COVID. People's bullshit detectors went up. And so a lot of those marketing and sales tactics of the whole, like this thousand dollar session, which is really a sales call, like you know, described as a strategy session. I don't think that stuff is going to fly as much going forward because people are just, we're sick of it. If we can focus on leadership and sales, which means we don't need to convince, we don't need to pitch, right? If we just put all the pressure of convincing and pitching away, and we get really curious about one thing, which is the cognitive dissonance. Where is the person now? Where did they expect that they would be by now? And we ask our clients that, and then they reveal it to us. And then we say, how would you like help solving that? And then they tell you, and you go, right, well, I have this thing. It does that. Would you like to join? And it's an invitation as opposed to a close. And, you know, there's <laughs> there's probably some people that are sales diehards and they're like, this sounds like soft sales. And well, in a, in a sense, yeah, it is. But I think we're at a critical turning point where we need to turn up the consultative nature of the sales call and 
stop assuming that people are dumb because these false promises and these massive convincing, it might work in the short term where like people come in the door, but the people coming in the door in mass is it not going to be the people that stay, play, pay, continue. Like all of the, all of the customers that stay long term, you're gonna want leaders. Yeah. And that's that's ultimately, and this is something that oh, I can't remember his name, but he's hilarious. He's on Facebook. But he talks about how retention is the key. And I personally believe that outside of marketing and a great program, one of the best ways to increase your attention is actually your sales call, where if you've sold in a way where the person feels like they made the decision, because you didn't have to convince them anything because your guarantee doesn't say that they get the result or you know they get their money back or anything like that. They go, wow, this person understands my problem. I can see that their program is designed to solve that problem. I'm going to join this. I'm going to do this. That in that moment, they become a leader. It's that softer, I don't, one thing I think it's it's worthwhile putting out there. I think it's very easy to do that style of selling and marketing and positioning as a coach or consultant in particular, when you're in a position where you don't need the money mm. or mentally you're able to truly not have that pressure. And I'm in that stage now, but there were stages in my life where you know, you try to do that, but it was inauthentic. The energy wasn't going back to the energy conversation. The energy was like, I need to make this freaking sale. I got to try and convert this person. Even though you felt in your bones that this was not the right client, you should not help them. But you're like, I need to eat. I need this cash. It's different when you can truly be like, yeah, actually, no, we're not the right fit for you. Because that's what you're talking about, being able to truly know who you are the right fit for and who you're not and pull in those leaders it's it's i'm not gonna lie it's it in my experience it's very challenging to do if you're in a situation where you're feeling probably scarcity and lack and you're not feeling able to be like it's all good i don't need your money no problems if you if i you know you don't want my help no problems is there anything you would say to that kayla before we start to kind of wrap up (laughs) oh man those who know me know that i would love to take the more energetic spiritual path hear about relationship to money and that kind of thing because i know the feeling and one of the interesting things is this was a recurring lesson that i had until recently where there's been degrees of learning this lesson where signing the client that i had the feeling i shouldn't have signed and i think we needed the money at the time because that was the that was the thing that put it over the edge never again for the money and because there'd been several other times where I'd done it for the money, but this was the big one where suddenly just in me said, even if I need the money, I will find a way. Mm. And I know that's potentially a slightly privileged thing to say, but I didn't have the money the next time that that conversation came up. I needed the money and I knew that this person was not a fit. And I said, no. And what I've come to notice and believe in myself and clients is something else will drop. It's like a, it's a weird cosmic test. I would encourage the people thinking about this, if you are in that situation and you do get the sense that it's not a great client, to consider any other time that you've been able to hold true to a standard and something better has fallen in. And I'd be really curious to know if if anyone has done that and it's not worked because I've not met one person. There's this weird 
relationship that I don't know how far we get into in this podcast, but this weird relationship between standards and energy, where if we set the standard, this is what I'm not available for. I'm not available for those clients, even though we need the money. And we say, but my standards and my energy is not available for that stuff. Something else has always fallen in for me and for my clients. If someone listening has really resonated with what you've said, where is the best place for them to find you? Is there a resource, social media, a download? Like where 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 would you send them? Yeah, just uh it's I've got a one of those small websites called Shoreby. So S H O R dot B Y forward slash Caleb Lazar. If you jump on there, there's a there's like a Facebook group, there's free trainings, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I think I've got a ebook as well that you can download. And I talk about all just different kinds of things. Also got a podcast that's in well, it's actually live on YouTube yeah. at the moment. Um, Plug the podcast. What's it called? If, if other listeners want to find it, what's it called? Yeah, it's called Caleb Lassar Beyond Reason. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll make sure that link is in the show notes. So remember, you can check that out at rising.show. That's it from me and Caleb in this episode. So if you've got other guests that you would like to hear from, or if you'd like to have Caleb back and you've got questions, Shoot us an email, let us know what you thought of today's episode and what else you'd like to hear and who else you'd like to hear from. Caleb, I am super grateful for you bringing your wisdom, your humbleness. And in particular, I really want to kudos to you for all the attribution that you do. I think, you know, there's many people in my world who do this and I, you know, Taki's one of them. And, but I think modeling, you do it really well where you model acknowledging where and who you learn things from. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing so that it puts more authority, in my opinion, behind you rather than less. So I just want to really hat off to you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. And talk to you again on a future episode, maybe. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Entrepreneurs Rising. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I appreciate your time and look forward to connecting in future episodes. If you would like show notes or any resources from today's episode, you can find them at rising.show. Rising.show, you can find show notes for this episode and all other episodes, as well as links to socials and the ability to reach out and connect with me, make your suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, keep up the journey.